0: Welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. And we've been talking about Family Tree. And to me, the whole purpose, we've been delving into the lives of People in Jesus' family tree—these are the great-great times forty, the great-great times sixteen—grandfathers and grandmothers of in Jesus' line. Stories about their lives, their victories, uh, where they messed up, where they got it wrong. Stories that he grew up in. You can imagine Joseph and Mary sitting Jesus on his lap, on his on their lap, and just telling them stories about his ancestors and what they did, and things that he can learn from. And Our whole purpose behind the series of Family Tree is to take apart some of these ones' lives so that we can have uh, handles and keys and we can look at that just to really make it live. And you may have been here several weeks ago when um, Tony spoke about King David and he opened, he, he talked about his dad, Keith, and some of the stories that the Rainbow Boys grew up on. Now, I've been a rainbow for 19 years And for eight years before that. And so some of those stories the boys grew up on, I'm here to tell you this morning, I grew up on those stories too. I've heard those same stories. And I'll never forget one story. um, And forgive me, Keith, if I get it wrong, because there's there's so many going on in my head. And there's so many stories. And I'm a little bit like Keith. He'll start in a story, go into another one, then finish on a third one. And so I kind of follow him. So I may mix three of them together. But the one I always remember is um, uh, Keith grew up in, uh, is it World War II? It's not World War I, is it? <laughs> World War II. And um, so, you know, and for us, that's kind of foreign. It's like, you know, we know that there's wars happening now in Afghanistan, but that's like, it, that's over there. But this is kind of on his doorstep, and so there'd be bombings, and they had to go to bomb shelters, things like that. But as kids, I mean, you do what kids do. You play during the week. So he used to tell me they would find... Shells. And I don't mean seashells, I mean like either undetonated bombs or um, bullets, I don't know, I don't know the technical grenades, whatever. They used to find dangerous, unexploded, um, thank you, unfinished jobbed shells. And you know what he used to do? This is, I, I, I can, and the thing is this, is, this is what's so key about Family Tree, because as he tells me the stories, I see in pictures. So I see, and I'm like, do you never, ever tell Mitchie these stories, please? But he said they used to find these shells and they'd go into the um, shed or sometimes the disused um, factories. And you know a vice? So you know, like when I, was in, I did do tech studies and woodworking, you'd get the wood in there and you'd, you'd clam it. They used to clam these unused shells or undetonated shells into vices, right? Then they'd get a hammer or a piece of wood, or something metal, something. And then they'd egg each other on as to who could smack that thing and see what happened. And so he'd be telling me these stories, and I'd be like, is that dangerous? kind of sounds dangerous to me. And he'd go, yeah, I suppose if they exploded, we would have known about it. (laughs) But, you know, he used to tell these stories, and I was watching a film not so long ago, and they reenacted that scene. I can't remember the film, but there were these kids, and I was like, as I watched I thought, that's what I saw. When Keith was telling these stories, that's how I saw it. And that's been our heart behind this Family Tree uh, series is that as we share keys with you and as we go through people's lives, you would see them in a different light. You would actually put yourself in that position because and then the Bible lives for you. So when you find yourself in your situation or you're struggling with this, you're able to look at people's lives and go, hey, I saw saw how that went and I've got courage and strength to, to go on with that. So this morning, it's my privilege, I'm going to wrap this up this weekend. I'm actually going to speak on Mary, all right? So we're talking about Jesus, mum, Mary. And I want to give you a little bit of background. I understand most of you would be familiar, but just in case. Uh, we're introduced to Mary in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, in chapters 1 and 2 in Matthew and Luke 2. It's how we're introduced to her. Her birth and death actually are known. Some of the others we've been able to say they were born here, they died here. Whatever. Mary, it's not much is known about her. We do know, according to the book of James, that her parents were Joachim and Anne. We know that she was married to Joseph. And we know that she was, in fact, the virgin mother of Jesus. And the point I want to bring up to you is that historians agree that Mary was around the age of 12 to 14. So she was young. Where's my daughter, Geordie? I asked Geordie if she would come and stand up here. Please welcome Geordie as she comes. Quick, sweetie. I promised her I would not embarrass her. (laughs) (laughs) Come and stand in the light. I just wanted her to stand here for a second for you to see. This is a picture of Mary. Again, like I said, when Keith tells me the stories and I'm seeing it, I want you to picture this is Mary. This is the age they say that Mary was when the angel visited her and gave her an amazing promise of what she was to accomplish with Jesus. So say hi, Mary. Hi. Thanks, Sweets. All right. So I just I wanted to do that so you can see because this is what we're talking about and we want to look in Mary's life and just say you know what if Mary was here this morning, what would she say to us? What would she? What's some keys that she would say? You know what? This is what, if I had my chance to be able to just share a couple of things with you, this is what I'd say. And I want to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. It will be coming up on the screen behind you, behind you, behind me, if you don't have a Bible. Excuse me for a second. Okay, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in a town called Galilee. To a virgin pledged to be married to a name, a name, a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Don't you laugh when you read things like that? Greatly troubled. I think I'd be peeing my pants right now. Like, Anyway. But the angel, he said, um, "You will con- But the angel said to her, "Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel? Since I'm a virgin." The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her age, her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from the Lord will ever fail. Listen to Mary's response. In verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled then the angel left her so what would Mary say to us this morning if she was here I think Mary would say large doors swing on small hinges because think about it I I don't know if you read like this but I go I wonder what there is about Mary Mary was a 13 say year old girl who previously before this visitation, we have no introduction of her whatsoever. We know nothing about her life. Now, if I was God, and thank God I'm not, and that's why Isaiah says about your ways are not my ways, and your thoughts are not mine, but I probably would go for somebody who had a little bit more experience, someone who maybe was a little bit more proven, somebody who maybe had been there before, whatever. But there has to be something about Mary's life That God saw. Because the angel says to her, you are highly favoured. And I think she's 13. I remember when I was 13, I don't think my parents thought I was highly favoured. I think they had other words for me and other thoughts about me because I was 13. And yet the thing that speaks to me, I think, you know what? There was obviously something in Mary's life that she had nailed. There were things, and I think it's the little things in her life that she had nailed worked out, sorted out, had them under a belt, that then God could look down and go, you know, here's someone I can trust. Big doors, I mean, being the the mother of the saviour of the world, that's a pretty big platform you've been given. Big doors swing on little hinges. And I just think, you know what, we've got to get good at the little hinges. And a little inkling into her life is because you think, well, okay, well, how, well, how can you come to that conclusion? Because of her response in verse 38. She says, she hears what the angel Gabriel says to her. And she says, I mean, she does ask earlier on, how will this be? I don't think it was a, how will this be? I think it's a genuine, she's 13. She's a genuine, you know what? I remember the birds and the bees talking yeah, a little bit. I was uncomfortable at the time and, you know, felt for my mother giving it to me. So the how would this be is kind of like, but how? Not oh how, as if I don't believe, it's just how. And yet in verse 38, she says, okay, Lord, be it to me what you have said. And I think what a little key that we sometimes miss in life. We're often standing at the door saying, you know what? I, I want this massive opportunity. I want to go here. I want to do this. So God says, okay, here's an opportunity. And we go, sweet floors, Are you kidding me? Pff, forgive my brother. Are you kidding me? Pff, be polite. Be friendly. Are you kidding me? Big doors open on small hinges. Mary just went, you know what, Lord? I trust you. And my question for us this morning is, what's the little thing God's asking you to do? What's the little thing God's asking you to do? In, um, Luke, uh, yeah, Luke 16 verse 10 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with little will also be, be dishonest with much. What's the little thing God's asking us to do? It's not because he's not concerned about us. It's not because he's trying to fill time for us because he's waiting. Like, I, I just haven't got anything in the attic to pull out for you to do right now. So just busy yourself with that. No, it's who can be trusted with little things can be trusted with much. And although we don't know much about what Mary had done in those 13 years, she was obviously trustworthy with the little things she'd been given to do because God entrusted her with much to birth it, to bring to birth his son. So what are the little things God's asking you to do? We've got a volunteers night coming up on Tuesday. Maybe the little thing God's asking you to do is get involved. You know what? Put your hand up. It's a little thing I know. And sometimes I don't think we're um, wicked about it or just, I don't want to. I think we're just ignorant. So It's a little thing. Just, oh, okay, yeah, I can get involved. It's a little thing. What's a little thing God is asking you to do? Because remember, big doors swing on Little Hinges. Two weeks ago, uh, our son Mitchie played a cracker game of soccer. Best on ground. It was our chance to vote for best player, so naturally he got it. But no, he earned it. And uh, the next week, he was captain. So me and my thinking go, oh, cool, because he played really well last week and they did vote him best on ground, so he was captain. But I loved it because the coach spoke to all the boys before the game and he said to them, do you want to know why Mitchy is captain this week? So everyone's like, yeah, 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 you know. And so I'm thinking, because he played well. You know what the coach said? He said, because on Thursday night, when soccer finished, everybody left. Mitchie stayed behind and cleaned up. Big doors open on small hinges, or swing on small hinges. There are small things in our life that we can think insignificant, unimportant, not really necessary. But God's saying, you know what? If you're faithful in those things, bigger opportunities come to us. So if Mary was here this morning, she would say, big doors swing on small hinges. Second thing I think Mary would say is, who's your buddy? In Luke verse uh, chapter one, we continue down in verses 39 to 45. Again, I'll read it for you. It says, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. When she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promise to her. At the end of the first scripture we said about when God has uh, the angel was talking to Mary and saying this is what's going to happen. He's already explained to her that God had come and visited his co- her cousin Elizabeth who was old and well advanced in years, who had been barren for years, who would never have kids, had come and miraculously moved on her so she was able to conceive and we now later know that to be John the Baptist. So Elizabeth has had this uh, miraculous conception with her husband. Mary comes along. Mary's been uh, the, Gabriel, uh, Gabriel, Gabriel, the angel, has spoken all these things to Mary. What's the first thing she does? She goes, "I've got to go find a buddy. I've got to find a buddy." Can I tell you? We cannot do life alone. Look, put yourself in Mary's situation. We just heard from Jess. Up there, And part of her story about the shame she felt for the decisions that she'd made, yet decisions that her and Tim had entered into. Mary is in that position, not because of decisions she entered into, but because God looked at her and said, you are highly favoured, this is what I'm going to do for you. Come on, we've got to make this live. Here is a girl who is 13, who is unwed, who in her day and generation, just for fornicating, could have been stoned to death. And she has to tell her family and everyone around you, but actually, you know what? I'm innocent. I actually, it's, it's immaculate. I haven't, I haven't been with a man. God has done this. And can you imagine her parents? It's like, I'll give you 10 for creativity, but honey, it's not how it goes. Come on, we've got to make it live. Can you imagine? I mean, I know sometimes it's hard because in today's society, we have evolved to the place where we're not, and we shouldn't be judgmental. We have to be loving and accepting, but still there's the consequence that that isn't the way that God has intended or purposed it to be. So we can read it blasé, but here's a 13-year-old girl who is chaste, has done the right thing, and everybody thinks, you're yeah, right. Everybody is talking about her. Can you imagine her life? I mean, if they don't think that she's just evil and a liar, then they think she's insane. Like, as if, like an angel came to you and did this, and then it's an amazing, as if. Come on, let's make it live. So I think Mary needs somebody she can do life with. Because actually, you know what? I think she would go insane if it was just left to her. But did I really see? Was there really an angel? I don't know what happened. Maybe I was asleep. I don't know what happened. Mary needed a button. I love the fact that it says she went, after the angel left her, she goes straight to the home of Elizabeth. And did you hear what Elizabeth did? It says, as she entered, Elizabeth shouts with joy. Here's a woman who celebrated what was going to happen in Mary's life. So I'm not talking just about any old friend. I mean, Mary didn't go to her silly... No, I'm not going to say that. Mary didn't go to her uh, single girlfriend's. And just, okay, you know, and get around there. Mary went to somebody who could help her. Mary had a buddy who was for her, who was full of faith. As like I said, when she came in, she went, you know what, God is in this. I see this. I mean, again, 13 year old girl all alone. She had someone who said, I believe in you, Mary. I see this to be right about you. I see God's hand on this. I know you feel that. Don't worry about what they say because this is what God says and I'm gonna stand with you. And that's how we have to do life life. If Mary was here to say, she'd say, who's your buddy? Like, who is it? And I don't believe Elizabeth was the sort of person who would have just told Mary everything she wanted to know, everything she wanted to hear. But Elizabeth was the person that God had put in her life and said, listen to her, she'll help you. And my question to you this morning is, who's your buddy? You know, we, we live in a society where everything is against friendship. I mean, men can't have decent friendships without it being warped and turned into something wrong. Women, it's a bit more accepted, but you know what? Women turn their strength on each other and fight and catfight each other. So like, you know what? God's placed us to do life together. Ecclesiastes verse 4, 9 to 11 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one of them can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? You know what? We have to fight the natural inclination to be isolated. It's a natural inclination of our heart just to be isolated, to do life alone, to think I'm all right. I can tough it out. Mary's saying, you need a buddy. I mean, our kids' schools understand that. They have year 12s, have buddies to their year 6s, or year 6s have buddies to their reception. It's the buddy system. It's like, who's your buddy? Who's the one person, not just your mate? Yeah, because they'll just agree with you, because if I agree with you when I do something wrong, you'll agree with me. But the one who's going to come alongside and say, you know what, that's not right. That's not helpful. You know what, I understand. You know what? I wouldn't be where I was today if I just went to those who were going to tell me what I wanted to hear. I've heard more often than not things I don't want to hear than what I have wanted to hear. When I've been at my wit's end in terms of ministry and said, that's it, I've had enough to find a mentor, a buddy, someone I can say who's been there before, who's walked the road and say, ah, and they go, you know what? You're just being selfish. You're just being, you know what? You're full of unforgiveness, Kath. You need to deal with that. That's not their problem. That's your issue. So, Who do you think you are? You know who you are? You're God's servant and he's trying to speak to me and he's using you. Who is your buddy this morning? Psalm 68 says, God sets the lonely in families. I do not believe Mary could have done it alone. She needed Elizabeth. She needed someone because everybody else thought she was insane. Everybody else thought she was a floozy. Everybody else thought she was this. Everybody else thought she was that. And there was someone who believed in her, someone who would tell her what she needed to hear, when she needed to hear it, someone who'd encourage her, someone who'd get along. I mean, I'm a mum and there are days when I think, I am good. And there are many, 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 many days when I think I must win the world's worst mum award. And you know what? But for women who've gone before me and I just go, and they go, you know what, Kath, it's normal. That's cool. Do you know how life-saving that is? like you just stopped me hanging from a tree you just you just stopped me I don't know what doing but again we need a buddy the third thing I think Mary would say to us if she was here this morning is that you're stronger than you think once Jesus is eight days old they circumcise him, then they take him to the temple to do the... He's the firstborn son, so they have to do the religious rites and consecrating him, offering up to God, doing the sacrifices. And there's a prophet in the temple called Simeon. And he has been promised by God that he will see the Messiah. Before he dies, he will see the Messiah. As Mary and Joseph walk into the temple, Simeon sees them. He sees Jesus in their hands and he starts to prophesy over them and tell them about this son Jesus and what he's gonna do. And then he says in Luke two, verses thirty four to thirty five, it says Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I mean can you imagine being Mary? I mean, the privilege, and it was a privilege of birthing the Messiah, but that privilege came at a high personal cost. She was, in fact, chaste. She was, in fact, pure. She was, in fact, a servant of God, and yet everybody thought otherwise. Even, oh, no, I don't want to go there because Tony's speaking on Joseph tonight. People thought otherwise. So can you imagine that for 33 years she's lived with this? knowing that I know the truth, but others don't. But here's the hope. Here's what's kept me going, is that one day they'll know. One day, because again, the Jewish people had they hated the Roman um, tyranny and they hated being under that. They were looking for this Messiah, but they had a perception that he was going to come in a kingly, earthly form, overthrow the Roman rule. They would then be top dogs. So here's Mary, I can imagine, imagine, put yourself in that situation thinking, well, one day I'll be the king's mother. You'll be like, phew, everybody will know. All everything I've been through, the accusations, the rumours, the innuendo, the ostracising, the you name it that goes on, the, everything I've been through, one day, one day my time will come. One day Jesus is going to be on the throne and people are going to recognise and go, oh, all the hindsight prophets come out. We knew Mary secretly, we knew, but we didn't want to say anything because, you know, we just didn't want to be persecuted by the religious people. One day, so this is her hope. This is what she's thinking like, ah, one day he's, he's going to be king, everyone's going to see it, and I'm going to be vindicated. I'll be going, yes, I knew all along. Thank you, thank you. Can you imagine Mary on that day at the foot of the cross? Can you imagine? I mean, it must be hard enough to watch your son being crucified. So it's not just that. It's like watching him in pain. But here's your vindication. For 33 years, I've been living for the day that I'm going to be shown right. For 33 years, I've been living for the day for people to go, wow, she, she was right. She was telling the truth. She was pure, 33 years. And now what? Now he's been crucified. Now not only do people think I was lying, this has just proved it. This has just said, you were wrong. We were right about you all along. We were right about you. So when Simeon said this sword will pierce your heart too, I think we have to understand Mary was a strong woman. And you and I are strong too, because here's what I want you to hear. In the days later, historians say, you remember in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit visited the disciples, Mary is recorded as being in there. I don't know about you, but 33 years looking for this, the disappointment, the she had every reason, I believe, to be angry at God, to say, thank you very much, this is what I was looking for, to be disappointed, to blame God, now look where I am. So not only now, my husband has died, uh, my son, I'm destitute. People think this about me. She had every reason, I believe, to blame God, to hate God. And yet she was in the upper room with the disciples when the Holy Spirit came. I think if Mary was here, she'd say, you know what? You're stronger than you think. Because Mary survived that. And here's the wonderful thing, is you and I can survive anything. Our situations and circumstances may be different, but here's what I love. 2 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. There is no hurt. There is no circumstance There is no disease, no sickness, no opposition that comes our way that needs to take us out. Nothing. I think if Mary was here, she'd say, you can do it. I found grace. I found forgiveness. I was able to endure it. If I can endure it, you know what? I probably, if you told me in the the beginning, I would never have picked this for my life. I would never have thought I could have managed, but I did. And so I'm here this morning to tell you, you're stronger than you think. Psalm 139, it says, God, you knit me together. You created me in my inmost parts. God knows you. He create, He knows what you can stand. You might be sitting there going, yeah, I, it can't get any worse than this, Cath." I'm sorry, it may. But here's what I want to say is you're stronger than you think. God says he will not put you in any situation that you cannot bear. So if you're in a situation, God's finger and thumbprint of approval is on you so you can bear You can, because he said, I made you. I know what you're made of. And here's what I've learned. You don't know what's in you till you're tried. And I mean tried as in you try and you are tried. We don't. It's so easy to have a belief system and formulate answers that you've learned and you know off-road. But I tell you what, they live when you're in a situation that they are tried. Actually, I realize I am stronger than I think. I would never have known that if it hadn't been for that situation. If Mary was here today, She would say, You're stronger than you think. I'm going to hand back to you. I just want to leave you this. Mary was extraordinary because God used her in an extraordinary way. You know, the conception, that was the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. You know, Mary was just, she's no different. It could have been any woman. Mary's no different than you and I. Here's the difference Mary is seen as extraordinary. I believe because she was an ordinary woman who said, God, take an ordinary life and have your way. We can be extraordinary people if we would be the same as Mary. If we'd go, you know what? God, here's an ordinary life. Take it and have your way. Amen. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.